just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. It's one of those special shows where Ed joins us on the podcast. I always like this because uh, I get some different insights. I get to play off of somebody, somebody who spent probably 20 years playing off when we were back in radio. So now we get to do it again here on the Rational Boomer Podcast. And uh, first of all, Ed, thanks for joining me again. Thanks for consenting to bail me out again and, and uh, make the show just that much more interesting. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I enjoy the heck out of it. I get comments from people from time to time on Facebook now and so forth. So they, they're looking me up there and uh, different places, and uh, uh, that's okay. Well, that's, uh, that's good. good. You know, yeah. <laughs> long as so the far, Trump no pump- crazies yet. <laughs> yeah, as long as the Trump pumpers don't come looking for you, you're all right. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I, I did a TikTok just a few moments ago. And I want to bring this up because it leads into other things we want to talk about. There's this guy on TikTok. Um, is, is, he goes by the name of MDG650Hawk9.5. Now, this guy is a very congenial guy, but he's had his TikTok banned like nine times. He's literally on his ninth account. Uh, but Ooh. he's a smart guy. There's a couple of things about him I don't like. Uh, but in spite of that, I'm impressed by the things he offers in his in his uh, TikToks. First of all, he's a lawyer. I don't typically like lawyers, but this guy's cool. This guy's cool. The other yeah. thing is, I don't know. I'm thinking he's maybe in his fifties. Maybe I'm wrong by that, but maybe in his fifties. And he's got this huge fucking mane of hair. I mean, it's not real long, but it's way longer than I I could possibly do. And every time he does his TikTok, he runs his hand through this beautiful mane of hair. And if you watch TikTok, you know I have the exact opposite of a beautiful mane of hair, and I'm a little envious at this point. Yeah, but, me too. Yeah, yeah, but you and I both. But he brought something up to give me something to think about, and I thought, fuck, that couldn't be. He started out by saying, uh, talking about the pandemic, okay? Uh, we know yeah. what, what happened with the pandemic. Donald Trump and the Republicans tried to say it was a hoax, tried to say it was no big deal. It was going to end tomorrow, mainly because they thought this pandemic would hurt them in the 2020 election. So they denied everything. They tried to tamp it down. What ultimately happened is because they did what they did, that probably cost them the election. Shows you how fucking stupid they are. But he made a comparison with Florida. Now, during the pandemic, Florida and Ron DeSantis also did what they could to give out inaccurate numbers about the pandemic because they wanted to feed into Donald Trump's narrative. That's not surprising because we got a lot of Trump fucks down in Florida, especially Ron DeSantis. But here's what he said was kind of interesting. Ron DeSantis is up for reelection in about 35 days as governor of the state of Florida against Charlie Crist, right? So we have Hurricane Ian, one of the strongest hurricanes in history to hit this country. It rips through the middle of Florida. We've seen the video. We've seen the pictures. It's absolutely disastrous everywhere you look. I remember one video where a guy standing on Fort Myers Beach saying, Fort Myers Beach is gone. And you look at the videos and you say, fuck, 
they're gone. They're also telling us that there are 10,000 people missing. They don't know where they are. They can't account for them. Yet they're reporting 84 dead. Yeah. You well, know, that's the 84 they found. Right. Know? But you, are you telling me after all this time they've only found 84, yet there's 10,000 missing? My point is, you don't think Ron DeSantis is trying to tamp down the numbers from this hurricane. Oh, absolutely. That's fucking, that's fucking abhorrent. Well, yeah. And, uh, there's also, uh, I've also heard that, um, he was so distracted and his administration was so distracted. They didn't, uh, issue the evacuation order for where the, uh, hurricane actually hit. And they're trying to say, well, nobody knew where it was going, but, you know, two days before we knew exactly where it was going and that's exactly where it went. So they did know, but they did not, uh, Lee County, I believe is the, is the county where Fort Myers and, and surrounding Sanibel and so forth are. And, um, that's the one that got hit so hard and that's where the most people are missing, but, uh, they did not get an evacuation order, uh, not quite 24 hours is what they got. And a lot of people, these people were seniors living, living in these, uh, uh, you know, park model mobile home kind right, of things. Right. And, uh, they couldn't just pick up and go. They had, didn't have the money, they didn't have the transportation. And so they stuck it out and a lot of them probably died that we just don't know about yet. I mean, well, some of them were swept out to sea without a doubt. And we'll never know what happened. To them. The question is, we don't know about them, but. Does Ron DeSantis and the Florida government know about it? They're just not telling us because they're afraid it's going to affect the election. I mean, you make a good point. You've got a lot of trailer homes down there. You have a lot of elderly people. You have a big hurricane coming through. Um, I hope to God only 84 people died, but I, I, I find that hard to believe given the devastation on that state. Well, we had the TV on yesterday. I'm looking and they're saying, you know, 84 and then suddenly it's 99. And then they come back and say, no, no, we were wrong. It's only 84. So that's kind of suspicious in and of itself. Yeah, it it really uh, is. You don't think Ron's uh, going, keep it under 100. Just keep it under 100. Well, Ron, what he's worried about right now is making money. He set his wife up as the head of his foundation and they're telling people both in Florida and everywhere Send money there. You know, don't send it to the Red Cross. Don't send it uh, to these aid organizations. Send it to us. Send it to this fund, and we'll make sure it goes to the right place. Uh, it sounds kind of Trumpian to me. It does sound kind of Trumpian. Uh, you know, I'll be honest. I think sending money to the Red Cross or whoever the hell else, you might be getting a little grift there too. Not all the money goes to where it should be. And maybe Ron DeSantis is saying, well, I'll make sure it gets to them directly. And that's his argument. But we know he's a Republican. We know he's like a mini little bit smarter Donald Trump. So if he says, send me the money, I'll take care of it. If I was in business and I had somebody saying that to me, I'd say, fuck you. That's a red flag. I am definitely not doing that. Well, right. We know he had $12 million he could squander on flying uh, Texas immigrants to uh, Martha's Vineyard. Uh, he blew $12 million that he could have uh, used for hurricane relief right, right there. So he's not to be trusted with money, obviously. And I think this is going to have a serious impact on, uh, on, on uh, Ron DeSantis. I mean, 
what he's doing by trying to tamp down uh, deaths and make it not seem so bad uh, may have a fit, uh, fit, uh, an effect on the national level to his maybe uh, campaign for president. But people in Florida are living this shit. Yeah. And if and if they feel like the governor's not doing enough, it's going to take its toll in November. There's just yeah, I mean, just, he can't hide that. No. And I just well, the water may still be there. I mean, I just heard that they had directed their uh, state agencies to stop referring to the flooding as uh, you know, flooding from the hurricane to call it nuisance flooding. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a nuisance that my whole house washed away that's a real nuisance with my aunt in it you know you know i i i I watch these videos and i i see some on tiktok and other things you know how i saw one tiktok where this person was in florida in fort myers walking along and uh there was this fence up and there were was water and other facilities behind this fence and they were saying we're in dire need here we don't have electricity we don't have water and there's a bunch of it behind this fence but they won't let us touch it you'll wonder what that's about um it, you know you don't want to be thrown around conspiracy theories like the republicans do but it's hard to trust fucking people who lie to you every fucking day Oh, without a doubt, we already know that uh, uh, we know that hedge funds and private equity firms and so forth are buying up trailer parks and so forth like that and pricing people out of them. Well, now you've got a chance to just get a whole bunch of them for free. Yeah, pretty much. uh, You think they're you think they're not going to do that? Of course they are. Yeah, of course they are. And and. You know, for every crisis, there's an opportunity for people to make millions of dollars, billions of dollars. And fortunately, it's not people like us. There are people, like you say, hedge funds and such that are going to take advantage of this tragedy. You know, these people, um, well, you told the story that a lot of these people don't have flood insurance or hurricane insurance or something like that. Is it because it's just absolutely unaffordable? Or yeah, insurance uh, insurance companies nationwide have of late because it in the last twenty years, probably before that, actually the insurance companies stopped being insurance companies. They started becoming investment companies, meaning they wanted to get as much money as they could, and then they reinvest that money. And uh, the more that they don't pay out, the more they have to invest that they can share with their shareholders and so forth and, uh, you know, get large uh, salaries for doing it and so forth. And they're they're cut up it, too. So California, uh, I've I've been reading some stuff about there. You know, they they have the opposite problem out there. Not water. They have fire. Right. And, um, you know, they've had, uh, you know, tremendous fire damage over the the last few years. And remember, Trump refused to help him out with that. I mean, Biden was Johnny on the spot with aid to Florida, but Trump not so much to California and told him they needed to rake the leaves in the forest and so forth, or he wouldn't send them the aid. Well, um, insurance companies there are really jacking them. They're jacking it so that, uh, you know, the millionaires is not going to be a problem for them. They'll be able to pay it, right? But it's the other folks that are going to be basically priced out of their homes, not because of um, the cost of, because uh, most of them probably have paid off their mortgages or they're paying on their mortgages, but they, if you can't insure it, 
then no mortgage company is going to, the mortgage company will foreclose. Right, exactly. You know, if you've got it, you, you have to insure the product. Uh, and, or, or if you own it, of course, you can take the risk. But sooner or later, that's going to bite you. So, yeah, this is happening nationwide where the insurance companies have realized, hey, there's nothing to stop us from raising our rates. Wouldn't we can justify it because we lost all this money in these these high profile fires, uh, which, of course, they do lose it because they allow people to build in these areas where they shouldn't be building anyway, which are, of course, danger prone and uh, um, will eventually uh, burn or go in a rock slide or mudslide or something like that. So uh, the thing, it, it, what it comes back to is simply the idea that any company must always increase their profit. Right. There can never be a time where they lose profit when they have a bad year. I mean, if it were up to me right now, I mean, if American business wanted to really get some goodwill, they'd say, we're going to take a three-month profit holiday. And, I, you know, I don't care whether, whether it's the, the, the uh, filling stations or if it's the food markets or whatever, we're going to take a three-month profit holiday and just break even for three months. Give people a break. Yeah. Well, that will never happen. But, you no, know, it's it fun- won't. You know, it's funny. We always hear about the oil companies and how they're price gouging and how they're taking advantage of people and how they're pumping up their prices for ridiculous reasons when they didn't need to. But let's be honest, the insurance companies do that all the time. They do it just as much as the oil companies, but you never hear anybody talking against the insurance companies other than people like you and me. I mean, if we need some reform in some, in, in some, uh, a business, the in- insurance business needs a really fucking serious overhaul. Well, you know, this is the thing. I mean, it's been incremental. There was a point when uh, insurance companies were not investment companies. They had to maintain uh, a level of money, basically, a, I won't say in a jar somewhere, but they had to have sufficient funds to pay everybody. Right. That uh, was uh, was insured with them. Now they have to keep a much smaller reserve and they can invest that. And uh, really, that should be looked at. And uh, you'd see a lot more a big retreat from investment and insurance companies if that was the case, because they wouldn't be paying these gigantic returns. They would just be making money on doing the job that they're supposed to be doing. But it wouldn't be gigantic like it is now. I'm a pretty simple guy, so I like to break things down to simple terms. And the way I understand the insurance companies is this. They will beg you to buy their insurance because they're going to protect you. They're going to take care of you. So you are paying a premium for that protection, for that coverage. The moment you actually use the service that you've been paying for for years, they go, oh, shit. Now we got to raise your rates because you actually use that. And the reason that sounds ridiculous to me is because I compare it to walking into McDonald's. I go into McDonald's and I say, I'd like a Big Mac. They go, okay, that's five bucks. Okay, so I take the Big Mac, I sit down, and I take a big bite out of it. And they walk over and they go, oh, you were going to eat that? Oh, if you're going to eat it, it's 10 bucks now. I mean, that's how fucking silly it is. You're offering me a service for a price at a reasonable price, at least in your mind. And when I have the audacity to fucking use the service I've been paying you for, you say, oh, now we're going to punish you by doubling your fucking rate. That that makes no sense. 
No, it doesn't. And um, the um, they also will just uh, now cancel your policy. Yeah, on, on occasion, yeah. and or they will UFI. Uh, you have something that's wrong with you. You go in, you have it treated, you submit it, and they go, "Oh, well, that was a pre-existing condition." Right. What? Right. No, it wasn't. I've never been diagnosed with this or something. Well, uh, back in, you know, we look at your history and back in so-and-so, you may have been exposed to this or that or whatever. We're calling it a pre-existing condition. And then you have one option, and that is to get an attorney and go after them, which is going to cost you money. It's probably going to cost you a big chunk, maybe a third of, at least of the settlement if you get a settlement. And you're still going to wind it up screwed simply because they didn't keep up their end of the uh, transaction, the contract, if you will, to pay you in case you got sick. I've told this story before, but you might relate to it. Maybe you experienced something similar. This happened when we were working at the radio station you and I worked with, and it was owned by a public school district. Um and, and of course we would have healthcare and actually initially the healthcare was pretty good through this job. And, uh, we, we had the healthcare and I had a young son who was going to need tubes put in his ears. He had a lot of problems with his ears. Right. So we get it diagnosed and it's right at the time of re-enrollment. So I'm going to re-enroll right. in the same shit I had, but I couldn't do that because the, 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 the same company, the same program with the school district, they changed how the policy read or the name of the policy or anything like that. Okay. So I'm under one policy, same company, same, same program with the school district. He gets, he gets diagnosed with needing tubes. I make the enrollment. I switch to whatever they tell me I have to switch to because I can't get what I had before because it doesn't exist anymore. Right. I get into the new thing. We get his tubes done. Then I get a note saying, yeah, we're not covering this because it was pre-existing, which is absolutely fucking bullshit. Now, what do you do in that situation? You're going to take them to court? Not and have any money to take them to court. So I went to them. I called them up and I just fucking harassed them. I said, look, Here's what you need to understand. This school district is probably one of your bigger fucking customers. The fact that people use you through this means a lot of money. I said, here's what I know. I work for the radio station owned by the Minneapolis Public Schools. And guess what? That radio station broadcast the the, uh, school district's, uh, the school board meetings. We broadcast them live. Right. And as somebody who's tied to the school district, I can go up and speak all I want. I said, in the next school board meeting, I'm going to step up and explain the ridiculous bullshit that you've done here, because you know it's ridiculous. You know the story. I'm going to spew this out on out on the radio and in front of the school board. You got two problems here. Your biggest customer is going to be fucking appalled and everybody's going to know about it. So now what can we do about it? So well let me check. And they came back and they said, "Yeah, you're right. It's going to be okay. We'll cover it." But that's what they do. They will try to push it. They will try to take advantage of you and if you don't push back, they'll just fucking take your money. Oh, I, absolutely. And I, I've got horror stories out the wazoo. I, I once worked overnights at a, at a, um, uh, an art museum and, uh, the janitors were there too. And there was this very, uh, 
kind of distinguished looking older guy who was one of the janitors. And oh, uh, really? uh, well, huh? Pardon? No, I said, Oh, really? Yeah. And I, I wondered, uh, you know, we talked, you know, you know, over and over. And I, I asked him, did, did you just come back and do this for something after you retired or what? And he said, no. He said, no, I was, uh, I was an insurance. <clears throat> I was actually an executive. And, um, I, um, one of the people that I had sold a policy to with this older couple, and uh, it was on like a homeowner's policy, right? And they had, um, somehow or other, they had, uh, Missed, a, they didn't miss a premium, but the premium was late. This is what had, had happened. They had mailed it, but either the stamp fell off or they had not put a stamp on it. Anyway, it came back to them. And so they put a stamp on it and put it back, right? But it was a day late getting there. In the meantime, while that was all going on, they had a fire. It pretty much destroyed their house. So, you know, they should have been covered, but the guy one step above this guy uh, said, no, we're not going to pay because they were late. And we've got this clause here. Late payment is reason to cancel the policy where we're going to cancel it. And we're going to save ourselves $80,000. Right. So this guy said, well, I argued with him for two hours. Then I turned his desk over on him and left. And, <laughs> and I decided I could do just as well uh, being a janitor here as I could dealing with that kind of crap. Well, there's something there's something the uh, Supreme Court doesn't have, and that's a little of fucking integrity. So you got to give this guy credit for that. Oh, I did, yeah. Well, now, Big now, time. now, what do you think is going to happen with these people in Florida? Now, now we know Joe Biden is going to provide a lot of money to Florida. You got a lot of people that are uninsured. There's going to be a lot of lives destroyed if there isn't some kind of help forthcoming. Do you think the U.S. government's going to give these people enough help to do what they need to do? They're going to try. There's a couple of things working against him. I mean, Joe can, you know, do all the, everything he can. Um, he's already, you know, put in the stuff that they normally do for disaster stuff. So that's in the works, right? right. But uh, DeSantis is also, I've heard, he's been turning down offers of help, like from National Guard from other states to come in and help. He's been turning that down. No one's really sure why. Probably because he's got friends in the construction business and he wants to give uh, this. You might as well, when something like happens like this, you might as well stand back and yell, because the bad actors are going to come out of the woodwork and they're yeah. going to be from everywhere. They will be doing, you know, we'll, we'll fix up your property, but we're going to need $5,000 up front. You never see them again. That kind of stuff is going to happen. Right. No, no, question. Doubt, no doubt about that. Uh, let's see. Let's see what happens. Uh, I mean, shit, uh, in Minnesota here, we get a hailstorm and we get not our door knocked on a hundred times by guys who want to fix your roof and, and tell us they can yeah. ga game the insurance system. And you know, hey, if I can get a free, free, uh, 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 free roof, okay, fine. But you're right. There's going to be a lot of grifters coming through Florida taking advantage, advantage of other people's misery. And it's, you know, the Republicans are no less guilty of it like you say I, th I think maybe ron wants to keep it internal because i think if people saw what was exactly going on uh somebody might blow a fucking whistle yeah i think that's probably the case i i hope i hope because 
it is such a, because it is DeSantis and it is Biden and so forth that because they've been at loggerheads for a while, I, I think it's going to be in, the, that the Democrats will be keeping a watch on Florida and, uh, and certainly Charlie Crist is going to be doing it. He's right there. You right. know, he's running for governor against, uh, you know, if I were him, I'd be going, maybe I don't want to be governor right now. Yeah, <laughs> no shit. Think of it, you know, and, uh, but we'll see. We'll, well see Char- how it goes. Charlie Crist is, is in the same situation Joe Biden was. Yeah, I yeah. want to be president. Yeah, I want to be govern- governor. But, it, but once you get the job like Joe Biden did over and above just doing the job as a president, you got all kinds of fires to put out and all fire, all kinds of fucking messes to clean up. I mean, that's where Joe Biden doesn't get credit. He had to straighten out a lot of shit before he could actually get things done. And I think Charlie Crist would find the same thing in Florida. Yeah, and that this is just this is totally off the off the, the the topic, but I got to throw this in here uh, before I forget it. Yeah, you've heard about Trump uh, and his uh, screaming about uh, Mitch McConnell, right? And right. Uh, and he's uh, at the at the end of it, he threw in a big insult to uh, McConnell's wife, Elaine Chow, right. who is uh, who was his actually his. Uh, Transportation. Uh, transportation secretary, and she was a labor secretary under Bush, I believe. Right. But uh, so she's an accomplished woman. But right? she's a crook um, too. Her whole family yeah, no is kind doubt. of crooked. <laughs> yeah, um, and that I I don't know if it's so much a marriage as it is a merger. But that's beside the point. Here is here's Trump on his Truth Social, and he calls her. He spells it C-O-C-O and then C-H-O-W. Well, he misspells her last name. And this woman was in his cabinet. So that shows you something. But you know as well as I do, he didn't mean Coco. He meant Cuckoo. But he can't spell it. Yeah, that's and I true. just have to point that out because he's a fucking moron. And do you, do you, <laughs> I just have to point that out. Well, he is absolutely fucking stupid. There's no question about it. Do you think... Uh, I know what I think and see, see how you read it. When he said Mitch McConnell has a death wish, that wasn't his concern for Mitch McConnell. That was basically a battle cry, a code, if you will, or the Trump to note that he's mad at Mitch McConnell. They should be mad at Mitch McConnell and they should do something about it. Yeah. He's been mad at Mitch since Mitch came out the day after January 6th and believed the blame on him, which right. is exactly where it should have been. He's been, he's been upset with Mitch ever since. And, uh, and I've got to be honest. I really do believe that Mitch hates Trump more than he hates Biden. Oh, no and, question. Uh, and he, uh, I do think Mitch has been working behind the lines here and not helping Joe, but just not getting in the way like he did with Obama on a number of different things. Right. So, yeah, Trump, I can see why he would be upset with Mitch McConnell because Mitch wants to get rid of him because he knows ultimately he's going to cause the destruction of the Republican Party that Mitch has been working to build up his whole life. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. You know, Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell were in the Senate together for decades. They know each other. Yeah. And they know very well. He knows Joe Biden's not incompetent and not a bad guy and is reasonably honest as much as that might be different than what Mitch McConnell is. He has to give him credit for that. But you're right about about uh, Donald Trump from the beginning. Donald Trump has done everything he could to undo everything Mitch McConnell tried to do. 
and and uh, he is destroyed. He has yeah. destroyed the Republican Party. The Republican Party doesn't exist. Uh, it doesn't resemble anything that we once knew to be the Re- Republican Party. It's it's fucking broken. It's done. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you're not loyal to Trump now, you're not part of the party. It's what it comes down to. Anybody who is not loyal to Trump will be um, thrown out. We've seen that a uh, number, number of people who, like the ones who voted to impeach, some of them just chose not to run again because they knew that it was, uh, you know, that they'd be primaried out of existence. And, and of course, they were, like yeah. Adam Kinzinger, you know, chose not to run. Uh, Liz Cheney, of course, did, but uh, I don't know if she realized that it would uh, come down on her as, as uh, bad as it did. Uh, I'm no fan of hers policy-wise, but uh, certainly integrity-wise, I am. And uh, I'm, I'm actually very pleased that she's going to be working against Trump right on up until the 2024 election. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think Liz Cheney knew she was going to get beat in the primary when she started what she was doing. Uh, let's be honest. The Cheney's aren't short of money. No. Daddy Cheney, who's 175 years old is going to leave a lot of money to her and her sister. She's fine money wise, but she made a calculated, uh, calculated risk here. She was going against the grain of the Republican party, but she knew that what the Republican party was becoming could not continue. It could not sustain that level. It's going to crash and burn. And she chose, instead of being one of the lemmings going over the cliff with Donald Trump to step aside and be the bigger person, if you will, and hopefully be still standing when when everything fucking crumbles. So it's a calculated risk, but I think it's a good risk. It's a smart risk. She maintains her integrity. And she may, she and Kinzinger and a couple other people might be the uh, only people standing when it's all said and done. Yeah, that may be. Uh, personally, I think the Republican Party gave away its soul when they elected Ronald Reagan. That's what I think. I, think I agree. It's been going downhill, downhill ever since, and it, it hit rock bottom with Trump. But uh, before that, I actually felt like all the Republican presidents in my lifetime, including Richard Nixon, actually wanted the country to succeed and that pretty much everybody in the country to do well. Um, they may have been somewhat racist, not wanting uh, minorities to do quite as well as uh, as white people, but they they didn't want them as slaves they didn't want them starving to death and that sort of thing uh they obviously were very much in favor of segregation but so were a lot of democrats too i I tell everybody i think i've said it here before but i'll say it again uh when i was a kid growing up in the 50s and 60s here in tennessee and elsewhere in the south it, it didn't matter everybody was a racist if you were right. a Republican, you were a Democrat, it didn't matter. You were a racist. Right. Absolutely. Fight me. Go ahead and fight me. <laughs> you know, it's true. Uh, you know, there were a few, maybe, uh, white people here and there, uh, you know, uh, uh, really great people who, who, who weren't racist, but 99% of them, of the people were. And, you know, they look back now and they, they both try to blame the other. I mean, the Republicans would go, well, all the racists were Democrats, you know, they're back in the Civil War and, and, and uh, you know, when they were fighting civil rights and so forth. All the Democrats were racist. 
well, yeah, we're so are the Republicans. And, uh, you know, and then uh, when the Democrats sided with the Northern Democrats and the, all the racists went over to the Republican Party, now the Democrats are saying the Republicans are all racist, all racist, and they are. But historically, everybody in the South was racist, and probably not just in the South. No, everywhere. it was it was everywhere. I mean, if you look at the 60s and 70s, I tell people you should go back to that time and realize that racism was at the very least, accepted. I mean. There were race riots in Minneapolis, for goodness sakes. You abso- know? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, now, don't, don't tell me that there's no one, there is no one who can say, uh, any party has never been racist. They all were. Most, we were, of, most people still are to a certain extent. Younger people, not so much because they grew up going to school with minorities of all stripes and they don't see that i won't say they don't see color but they don't see difference the way that we do right and uh i always go ahead well let's be honest you and i were raised to be racist society made us racist schools Uh, made us racist even our parents made us racist only because their parents made them racist it was just a way of life Black people were lesser um, than us. We were better because we were white. I don't care what anybody says. Somebody will say, "Did you? were you ever racist? Did you ever say anything racist? Fuck yeah, I did. That's how I was raised. But when you get to a certain age and you have some critical thinking skills, you go, well, that's fucked up. I did a lot of things when I was younger that now at my age go, God, that was fucked up. I'm embarrassed by that. I'm not doing that anymore. I mean, in life, you have an opportunity to learn things. Many people choose not to learn things. They, they learn things when they're one, two, three years old, and that's what they stick up, whether it, with, with, whether it's wrong or right. They don't fucking care. Uh, that's the only thing I can say about people like you and me. As much as we were raised to look at black people as different, at least we, when we grew up, we had enough common sense to think that's fucking bullshit. Exactly. And it's exposure. You know, both of you and I, uh, I left the South. I went to a place where I was surrounded by, by, by black people who hadn't been kept down right. as much. Uh, so I could see black school teachers. I could see black lawyers. I could see black bankers. You know, I didn't see that here. And and quite frankly, my family lived in the black section of town. So early on, most of my friends were black. And I know you had some, too. But yeah. the uh, um, I always point people to there's two books, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, which is, is the famous one. Right. It's right. it's uh, the, the movie. More, more people have seen the movie than have read the book although they said they read it they really saw the movie but uh, they see Gregory Peck as Atticus Finch right well the first book that was written on this subject is called Go Set a Watchman and right. uh, uh, the author tried to get it published she couldn't but the agents looked at it and said you know this section here where he defends this black guy that could be something why don't you elaborate on that we'll just put this aside well, I've, I've read them both, and because they wound up eventually publishing this after, uh, oh, I can't think of her name, the author's death. And um, uh, so I went and read it, and uh, it's the same characters, right? Right. But uh, Atticus Finch in that one um, comes off much different. Um, it's told when Scout, the young girl, is is grown up. She's been to New York. She comes back, and she, she sees that he's actually racist. Right. And she confronts him about it, and uh, 
It's, it's actually his brother who tells her this, but he, he says Atticus knew that he could never overcome what he was raised to be. This racism is a part of his being. It's a part of all of us my age. Right. But right. he raised you to not be racist. You are his answer to racism, the next generation. And I find that to be absolutely true and much more noble than this white savior Atticus that's in to kill a mockingbird. Right. Um, this is this is a true nobility of mind and spirit that realizes their limitations and then passes on uh, and raises someone else who will not be that way. Right. Uh, that to me is is a much better message. Message, and that's the uh, both books are worthwhile. But I, I really wish someone would do a movie of Ghost Set at Watchmen, uh, just so people could experience that one too. Yeah, I think it's. A, yeah, I, th- I like that. I like that attitude. I've always said my job with my two sons was to raise them to be better men than me, and also make sure they do the same. Because we are who we are. We grew up the way we grew up. We can try to be better, but we are still what 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 we were created to be originally. So if I can make my kids better and then they can make their kids better, maybe we can get some real change. I'll tell you one thing, and maybe you experience it in Tennessee. Now, you know, we, we bought this little condo in Georgia. We love Savannah. I absolutely, I go down to Savannah. I don't run into anybody that isn't nice, white, black, Hispanic. It doesn't make a difference. Everybody I've ever run into is very nice. But one of the things that I find kind of sad, if I'm in a part of town that's more of a black community than anything, and I yeah. I talk, you know me, I talk to anybody, and I'll talk for hours if you fucking let me. And on many occasions, uh, you know, I'll come across a person of color, and I'll start talking to them like I would talk to anybody else, and it's a lively conversation, and I'm kidding with them, and I'm treating them like the peers they are to me, and on occasion with some of these people of color, I'll get this wide-eyed surprise that this big, dumb, boomer white guy is being so nice to him. And, and that troubles me that, 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 that they have to, they have to be on guard when I start talking to them. Am I be really being sincere? Am I trying to pull some shit over their eyes? I understand that, that question. But I feel bad that they have to feel that way when they're talking to a white guy. They don't have to feel that way when they talk to me because I love everybody as long as you're nice. If you're not nice, I fucking hate you, regardless of what color you are. <laughs> so that that kind of saddens me, and that tells me that there's still a lot of that going on down there. People of color aren't either talking to white people as much as you'd think they would, or when they do have the conversation, it's not as cordial and at the same level. You know, white people like to act like they're above other people, rich people over poor people, white people over people of color, you know, people of religion, people without religion. Everybody's about superiority. And when you talk to somebody from that standpoint, it can never go well. Oh, absolutely. Now, now here in my my hometown, uh, when I was growing up, there was a black section of town um, and um, the real nastiness between black and white was reserved for the lower class whites against the blacks. Right. Because one of the few things they had was being a step above the blacks in the social pecking order. 
So, and they were very jealous of that. And so anytime a black person seemed to be, quote, getting uppity, they would right. get very, very, uh, in some cases, violent about it. The rich people, on the other hand, uh, were were much more, they had much more noblesse oblige toward the black people. They even employed them. Um, the few places they could work were working for the rich people as uh, maids and nannies and yard men and that kind of thing, right? Because right. uh, because no businesses would hire them, uh, except uh, the, the grade school cafeteria. There were black people working there because the, the dietitian, who was the principal's wife, was. Uh, they were both Presbyterians from Maryville College, which was very much uh, abolitionist, right. and uh, had been working forever, um, and actually had taken half their endowment uh, to for to start a black college here in my hometown, but. Uh, Generally speaking, black people did not work in the businesses locally. They still don't. Right. Young black people do not stay here. No, they get the fuck out. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, the restaurants and so forth, uh, you rarely see a black person eating in the restaurants, even though they can. Uh, When I was a smaller kid, there was a, a famous black chef who lived here. He had been FDR's chef. And uh, he had a restaurant where the rich white people ate, but the black people had to come in the back door and eat in a back room. Wow. Even in a black owned restaurant. And this wasn't um, in the 50s. No, it was in the 50s. And oh, it was in the 50s. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's fucking appalling. I think uh, I think he finally died about about the time I got out of high school. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I know he... Uh, I know he was still, he still had the restaurant when I was in high school. I'm not sure when it, when he closed it. I think I was in college or maybe the army by then, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, and it, it's, it's still racist here. There are still plenty of them here and, uh, it still fries my grits, so to speak. Although I hate grits and I've never really eaten them. <laughs> right. I, I've never tried grits. So I don't even know what the fuck they are. They don't look good. So I'm not going to eat them. I'm, I'm definitely not it's a southern. Corn mush is what it is. You know, it's just ground up corn and a mushy kind of thing. Yeah. I don't, um, I, I, I don't eat grits, but at the same time, I don't eat lutefisk either. So well, there you go. I mean, yeah. equal opportunity hater when it comes to fucked up food. Um, I shouldn't say grits is fucked up because I've never tried it, so I don't know. Maybe oh, I would. Oh, it's fucked like it. up. Is that? It? It's okay. fucked up. I'll take your you word know, it's for like it. A, it's like a, a lot of foods. If you put enough butter and crap on something, it tastes good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. My wife does that with <laughs> broccoli, and I still can't eat that shit. Anyway, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back. All right. I'll be right back, guys. Maybe talk Alrighty. about the Supreme Court next, or you got something yeah. else you're thinking of? Okay. No, that's that's. You can also good. talk about the Oath Keepers. They're starting the opening arguments for um, the seditious conspiracy, too. That'll be interesting because of yeah. the defense is pretty stupid. But hold I'll be right back.
Hold on one second here. All righty. All right, Ed, today is kind of the banner day for legalities or the legal profession in this country. First and foremost, um, they've started the trial. They have the opening arguments for the Oath Keepers, you know, Stuart Rhodes, or as I like to call them, Elmer Stuart Rhodes. Elmer is his actual first name. <laughs> Apparently, he's a little embarrassed by the name Elmer, so he just goes by Stuart Rhodes because he's really, really, really cool and really tough guy. You remember him. He's got an eye patch. And the reason he, he shot got, his eye out. <laughs> yeah, he shot his own fucking eye out because he's such a tough guy. So anyway, he's going on trial with some other Oath Keepers, and he's being charged with seditious conspiracy, which is pretty important. That's a pretty serious crime. That's like 20, 30 years in jail if he gets convicted of it. And it kind of sets the tone for other people uh, that will be coming up and will be indicted, like maybe sitting members of Donald Congress, Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Uh, so this is going to be really compelling. Now, Stuart Rhodes, Elmer Stuart Rhodes, has a defense for this, though. He says that he cannot be convicted because he was just setting up for for um, directions that he anticipated would be coming from Donald Trump. Not something that he was told by Donald Trump. He was anticipating what Donald Trump would tell him. So he went and did his job so he cannot be convicted. Here's a guy that's going to fucking jail. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean we've got we've got the video of him or film whatever it is of him in the parking garage, colluding with uh, others, uh, the the Proud Boys, and the the, the lawyer, and uh, uh, you know we've seen the triangulated phone calls that the the, the guy gave us last week from uh, uh, who had been associated with uh, the January sixth committee and had left, but he still had. Uh, been in on recreating the phone calls between the various groups. So we've got that. We know what's going on. We've got the texts and all of that. So, uh, yeah, this guy's going down. If he does it, then we might as well just move to Canada and be done with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think there's a lot of people in Congress, a lot of people that work for Donald Trump that are watching these court cases very closely because if the Oath Keepers get convicted of seditious conspiracy, which is a serious, serious crime. All these people that were working in conjunction with them, like Roger Stone, like Jenny Thomas, like some city members of Congress, that puts them right in the uh, crosshairs of also being charged with seditious conspiracy. That could get crazy pretty soon. Roger Stone's not going to get pardoned out of seditious conspiracy, and he could very well be charged with that. Well, I hope so. I mean, he's done, he's dodged a bullet twice. I mean, he's the only guy I know of who's ever gotten two presidential pardons. You know, yeah. I mean, this is uh, this is insane, and um, and and I mean, he should be he should be put in prison just for the way he looks. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, oh, I got to say, Harper Lee wrote. To Kill a Mockingbird and um, Go Set a Watchman. I, I couldn't come up with her name, but when we took a break, it popped right into my head, of course. Now, back to Stuart Rhodes. Yeah, uh, I think he's going down. If they can't convict this guy, they can't convict anybody, in my opinion. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but but I don't think there's anything, you know, any way the Republicans can game this particular situation. I mean, it's up to the uh, the DOJ to charge them, and and frankly, the DOJ has some pretty good lawyers. And we oh, yeah. have and we have fucking video and we have audio tapes and we have documents and we have evidence and we have people that are witnesses. So I don't see how they don't get convicted. Yeah, and we have their own words over years where they're talking about overthrowing the government, essentially. I mean, uh, if, if you're uh, if you're condemning everything about the government and you you have all of these enemies and so forth uh you've pretty much written your own narrative you know yeah absolutely um uh this is this is earth shattering for this country i mean over the years i've said this before we've always had corruption and criminality and all that stuff but donald trump and these republicans and the oath keepers have brought it to the surface like a fucking fever blister now we all see it with our eyes and there has to be some reaction to it and those reactions will hopefully clear some of this corruption out but uh things don't look good for donald trump with the january 6th committee especially if they can point him toward the Oath Keepers or the Proud Boys. We know Roger Stone was well-connected with the Oath Keepers. He hired some of them to be his personal personal protection. I thought it was the Proud Boys. Well, maybe the Proud Boys were his guards. Yeah. yeah, you may be right. Maybe it was the Proud Boys. But either way, these guys were working in concert to accomplish the same goal, to try to overthrow the government. There is just no fucking question about it. And, and you know, the fact of the matter is Stuart Rhodes says, well, I was just waiting for orders from Donald Trump. Well, even if Donald Trump did give you orders to overthrow the government, still motherfucking illegal. Yeah. I mean, uh, just because he just because Donald Trump wants to overthrow the government and he happens to be the sitting president at that point doesn't give him the right to do that uh, in, in, in any scenario, period. It can't be. I mean, he is uh, he is the commander in chief of the army and uh, the, the, our defense forces and so forth. But he's got nothing to do with guys like uh, uh, Stuart Rhodes and the, the one the three percenters and the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys and all of these other ragtag um, militias or whatever you want to call them. Um, uh, guys who never got overplay an army. I don't know how many have actually served in the armed forces. To be honest with you. Yeah, normally these guys are the kind of guys that want to be soldiers and or cops, but don't have the wherewithal to make it through whatever regimen they put them through um, to, to, to actually get the jobs. You know, you and I know these people. We work for fucking one of them that uh, are these cop or soldier <laughs> or EMT wannabes. They can't actually go out and get the job. So you got a bunch of fat guys in in, in the South acting like soldiers. But when you see the video of this stuff come out, it's an absolute joke. I mean, their fucking leader shot his own eye out when he was doing a demonstration with safety issues with a fucking gun. That is hilarious. That's a comedy show. It is something that's not a comedy show, but that I just learned. Ashley Babbitt, who's this heroine of the right, you know, they're always, oh, uh, you know, Ashley Babbitt, the only person on that side who died on uh, January 6th, the woman who tried to break in the windows and got shot. Um, turns out she was actually, uh, when she was in the armed forces, she was actually part of the Capitol Defense Force. 
So she knew exactly where she was going. She was leading people, and um, she was a seditionist, and uh, she got what she deserved. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, she absolutely did. I mean, I try to explain it to Trump folks this way. <laughs> Let me ask you something. You're sitting in your house someday. And some libtard outside screaming, he's going to kill you. He's going to hang you. He's going to kill you. Then this this fucking guy breaks through your bay window and jumps into your house. May or may not have a gun. What's the first thing a Trump fuck's going to do? Going to go to his shotgun or his AR-15 and shoot him while they're standing in the house. Well, if that's the case, if it's good for the goose, then why not for the fucking gander? She broke into something illegally. She was making threats, terroristic threats, and she got shot. Case closed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was not aware of her previous experience and her knowing the layout of the land, so to speak. So. That that puts a whole nother spin on it. I mean, I, I wasn't sympathetic to begin with, other than I thought she might have been deluded, which, of course, she was. But still, you know, that she was leading a group of people trying to break in and kill congressmen, because we know from what they have said, both the day of and later, that they were planning on killing Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence and anybody else they could get their hands on, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were there just to cause chaos and create destruction and intimidate so they could stop the certification. And they felt like if they could stop the certification, then Donald Trump could take his lead and try to change the narrative and give him a way to get back into the presidency. I don't think they thought they could actually overthrow the country. That probably wasn't going to happen, but create enough uncertainty to give Donald Trump a chance to do whatever the fuck he was thinking he was going to do. Yeah, I think it was pretty plain what they were hoping for, that uh, first off, they would stop the count. Trump would declare martial law, probably seize some voting machines, whatever he needed to do so that they could get those fake electors in there, uh, turn down the real electors, get the fake ones in, give him enough points to win. That was their plan, and it almost worked. Well, yeah, it almost worked. But, you know, that's the thing. They always talk about how powerful they are and how they're, you know, above us all and how they're right and we're going to do this. I mean, this is the troubling thing about what was going on at the time. If you really think about it, you've got a president that's compromised to help them overthrow the government. You've got a Congress that is compromised to help them um, um overthrow the government, and you have the fucking DOJ. You had William Barr and all those people in the DOJ, uh, Jeffrey Clark, trying to help to overthrow the government. So now you've got these band of toothless, stupid motherfuckers and all three branches of the fucking government trying to overthrow the government, and they still fucking failed. How is that possible? That shows how stupid they are. It was kind of luck in a way. I mean, just shortly before, I mean, it was right after the election, um, uh, Donald Trump Jr. tweeted to somebody or sent an email or a text or whatever it was saying, there's like six different avenues and we got them all covered. And and he was talking about the Supreme Court. They had their people there. Uh, They had uh, Bill Barr in in the, uh, the DOJ. 
They had plenty of people in Congress, and they they had people. Uh, obviously, they had people in the Secret Service. They had people in the armed forces uh, as well, and they had uh, Flint and uh, uh, you know a co- his a couple of others that they thought would uh, you know uh, manage the army if they had to. So they they thought they had it knocked. They had thought they had it all covered, and then Pence declines to do his part and that kind of threw the wrench in and i think it threw them uh and and the capitol police put up a much stronger and the dc police put up a much stronger fight than they were expecting i think i think they thought they'd just walk in there and seize control of uh the congress and assassinate a few people you know, hang Pelosi and Pence and a couple of others. And, and they actually expected, I think, and Trump wanted to walk in there with them and declare that he was, you know, martial law and that he was in charge and lock these people up or whatever. Who knows what they would have done? I mean, he's as ruthless as Putin in his own way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the other part of it, you have all three branches of government, and now we're finding even the Secret Service was fucking involved to a certain extent. Not all yeah. of them, of course, but enough of them to uh, be the bad apples to ruin the fucking cart. Exactly. A, a few is all it takes if the, if the plan had uh, fallen out the way they wanted it to, and and it came very, very close. Once again, if the Capitol Police had put up less of a fight, if uh, Pence had gone along with what they wanted him to do, or if they had just managed to get him out of the way and put Chuck Grassley in there, which people keep ignoring, but he was obviously part of it. And uh, because he, he said the day before he'd be handling it, and now he's trying to backtrack on that. Well, it was a mistake and that bullshit. You were in on it. Go to prison. Go directly to prison. Yeah. Well, there, there's there's another um, legal story out there today, and that story is that this is the first day of the session with the Supreme Court. Now yeah, they're first coming Monday in October, yeah. right? And they're coming off a, a problematic last session when one of the last things they did is overturn Roe v. Wade, causing all kinds of all kinds of problems for the Supreme Court. And now, of course, we've got Judge Alito, who basically authored that uh, that decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, saying, you guys don't you guys think we don't have integrity. You don't think we're credible. That's hurting our courts. You need to stop doing it. And my answer to that is, well, if you do fucked up shit, we're going to question your veracity. So if you're worried about how we believe or if we believe in, in, in the Supreme Court, maybe stop doing fucked up shit. Now we start the Supreme Court session here and there's plenty of opportunities for them to do some really serious fucked up shit. So it's going to be interesting to see what in fact they do. Well, two things I can guarantee you. Uh, affirmative action is toast. I'm, how, I'm pretty how sure. How can you do that? I, how can you fucking do that? Oh, they'll find a way. I mean, there's been arguments on this for years, uh, and uh, that they will. They they found a way to screw up the Voting Rights Act, and there's more to do on that. So yeah, they'll be going after the Voting Rights Act, what's left of it. They'll be getting rid of affirmative action and uh, your gay marriage. They're going after that, probably any kind of rights for gay people. 
I, I really expect those will be the fights. So, folks, if you've got any sort of liberal leanings, you better get your uh, your your hiney to the polls and vote blue down the ticket because uh, this is what they plan to do. The one that scares me and the one that they will probably get around to is turning voting over to the state legislatures. And the only way we can stop that is to have the Senate, the House, and the presidency so we can pass some real voting rights legislation, lock it in, and uh, basically sideline the uh, the Supreme Court and also expand it to 13 members where it should be and make these people just footnotes in history. Yeah, I think, you know, if in the midterms the Democrats win and get control of the House, state keep control of the House, and maybe expand control of the Senate, the first things they have to do is codify Roe v. Wade. Yep. We have to expand the Supreme Court. Yep. And then then we've got to start undoing this gerrymandering and voter suppression bullshit. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd love to take the, the, the filibuster, but that's probably going to take a constitutional amendment. We can't do that right now. They have more legislat- state legislatures than we do. Uh, we cannot allow a constitutional convention, which they want, because once again, they have more state legislators than we, legislatures than we do. So they have more votes than we do. So they could uh, basically turn us from a democracy into an autocracy by, by altering the constitution. They could actually do that if they can get together a constitutional convention. So we, in order to, Preserve the social safety net. And yes, they want to get rid of Social Security. Yes, they want to get rid of Medicare. Yes, they want to get rid of anything that smacks of supporting poor people by taking money from rich people. That yeah. is a fact. It's a fact. And you cannot argue with it. If you're arguing with it, you're lying. That's it's, it's that simple. So they want to do that. And the only way that we can deal with that is to at least maintain the Senate and the presidency and hope that we, when people see how all they do is, uh, you know, show their heinies until uh, the uh, presidential elections, that maybe we could take back the House then. That's what we can hope for and hope that the economy turns around enough. People go, hey, this bad, this Brandon guy ain't so bad. You know, we'll see. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I was watching, uh, they were doing a, um... Uh, report on one of the news shows and they were talking about uh, Latin- Latinos or uh, uh, Hispanic folks that were voting yeah. for re- want to vote Republican and, and and they were citing the economy and how things are tough for them and the Democrats aren't doing enough for them and, and all that and that's fine I, I get that under normal situations but I would like to ask these people if if you're voting against the Democrats and voting Republican because of the economy and because of the opportunities and all that stuff, okay, that's fair enough if that's what you want to do. But is your alternative really somebody who is racist, misogynistic, anti-Semite, want to overthrow the government? Is that really the best fucking move? Maybe you don't like all what the Democrats are doing. At least they're not trying to destroy everything we have in this country. I mean, do they do it because they're trying to punish the Democrats or that they actually believe that this authoritarian bullshit is the way to go? I, I don't get it. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's um, a combination of, of things of uh, 
historical, like I said, there were, when I was growing up and still there was racism throughout the South, Republican, Democrat, it didn't matter. Well, it's the same thing with dealing with Hispanics. They see it from both sides. They don't see one as being better than the other. The Democrats are in control right now. They're not doing enough. So they'll punish the Democrats, uh, but ultimately they're punishing themselves. But I understand why they might. I did see a bit of hope, though, yesterday that actually it's turned around and that more Hispanics are supporting uh, Democrats now than Republicans. Well, and, and, and that makes sense, you know, especially <coughs> when you see somebody like Ron DeSantis or uh, Greg Abbott going out and uh, um, taking these Hispanic people, putting them on a plane and trafficking them by lying to them and sending them to another part of the country. You know, I, I just found out something, and maybe you knew this. I didn't know that. They sent, uh, DeSantis sent these undocumented migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Now, you know why they, you know why they sent them there? Uh, because Obama lives there, probably. Exactly. Everybody yeah. was talking about, well, it's a rich liberal area. They just wanted to show the rich liberals. No, they wanted to shove it in Obama's face. I didn't realize he lived in Martha's Vineyard. So, but that, that, that's the ridiculousness of this. They're still butthurt about Obama. Obama hasn't been president for six plus years. Fucking let that go. It goes back to what I've said before. Everything we're experiencing now is punishment to this country because we have the audacity to vote for a black president. Oh, that's absolutely true. Uh, uh, something that came out, uh, I think, just today or yesterday about that particular thing in in uh, Ron DeSantis sending those. Uh, actually, they were asylum seekers. Um, he had to go to Texas to round them up because they didn't have any. He didn't have any, uh, quote, illegals or anybody in Florida because they don't come in that way. You know, they so he had to go to Texas and he sent this woman whose name is Parla and they now know her last name or Perla. And it turns out she just she just left the armed forces and she was in army counterintelligence and she was hired by Ron DeSantis to trick these people into getting on this airplane to fly to Marsha's, Mark, uh, Martha's Vineyard. So yeah. uh, this is that alone to me is a criminal enterprise, uh, and and he should be liable, and so should she. Should should see shit. <laughs> so should she, because <laughs> you're tricking people. Well, it's human it, trafficking. It's, it's a confidence game, exactly. Yeah, it's it, it's it's frightening. It, it's frightening that they think they can get away with this. Now he's putting this together, spending money, putting on this stunt, going to a whole fucking different state because he couldn't get enough undocumented people in his own fucking state. And this is all while Hurricane Ian is bearing down on his state. Maybe if he took that time and money and put it toward preparations or helping people after the fact, maybe things would have been just a touch better. But this this perfectly illustrates who this fuck is. I mean, and who they all are. They're all in it to benefit themselves, to enrich themselves, and the people at large be damned. Oh, absolutely. And what uh, you have not heard from one single Republican, not one, and you will not hear from them, is the root cause of a hurricane like this, the strongest hurricane that's ever hit uh, the continental United States. 
And um, the reason is because the ocean temperatures are up two or three degrees. That seems like nothing, but it's huge. So it makes the strong the, the storms stronger, of longer duration, and they move slower. And uh, they do a lot more damage. This storm surge was up to like 12 feet, and nothing stands against that. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. You know, it's, it's a wonder there's anything left at all. The hurricane season is young. It is. You know, that's the other thing. There are more hurricanes that could come through. It could come through Florida. Now, this one that happened the way it did is, is a little unusual, especially yeah. with this size. Usually it's coming from the other side. And uh, it's frightening, the whole hurricane season. And now this in, in, increase of the hurricane's size and such because of climate change is, is is horrifying because there's really nothing you can do here in Minnesota. We have tornadoes and those are terrible, but they're pretty, pretty finite. They don't spread over 500 miles. Typically they're in, they're out and they're gone. And a hurricane like this can stall over a fucking state for three days. And just like you say, completely destroyed. We saw it, what it did to Puerto Rico and people are forgetting uh, Joe Biden's going to Puerto Rico today because they had one just prior to Ian. So they were fucked up. Yes. And and Joe Biden says, we didn't feel like you were taken care of down here, so that's why I'm going down to Puerto Rico and then to Florida, because we need to make sure we take care of the folks in Puerto Rico. Donald Trump didn't even know fucking Puerto Rico was part of the United States. He just thought they were some third world country that he was doing them a favor, so he threw some fucking paper towels. He, the guy is an imbecile. I, I give Biden credit for going to Puerto Rico. They need some attention, and they've been lacking attention for years. Well, I still remember Trump saying, I'm, I'm going to have a phone call with the president of Puerto Rico today. And somebody reminded him, he's the president of Puerto Rico, <laughs> where right. he was. Right, right. And, and you know, that's the absolute ridiculous thing. I, <clears throat> uh, I'm still amazed by people trying to make Donald Trump out to be smart. He's not. He's a reactionary. He's emotional. He just says what comes to the top of his head when he's reacting to what somebody else says. The guy is an ignoramus. If he worked for you or I, he'd be fucking fired tomorrow because he just yeah, is not it capable. It's one of the more recent books. It may, it may have been Haberman. I'm not sure. But somebody um, said he was the, the staffers referred to him as the parrot. Uh, because he would repeat the last thing he heard. Uh, and that, that's how he, you know, did policy and so forth. It was the last thing he heard before he had to make the decision is what he went with. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I don't know. I, it's this, this hurricane season troubles me. Now people came to me a lot and they said, you know, they knew we bought this condo in Savannah and they go, Oh, the hurricane, did it get your place? It didn't. But that doesn't mean something could, you know, fortunately, Savannah's like 30 miles in from the from the coast. That so helps. That yeah. helps some. It doesn't, I mean, it didn't help in fucking Florida. Uh, but. No. But that, that, that is an issue that you have to, you have to worry about. Fortunately, when you own a condo, uh, I have to cover what's inside my condo. Fortunately, the HOA has to cover everything outside. So if there is a problem, it's not going to break me. Um, but. Yeah, we talked about this before, but with insurance, but that's what's happening in California. They are having to, people who live in condos are now having to forego part of, you know, before they would have an insurance policy that covered the condo inside and out. Now, they they can only afford 
the condo association looks around for insurance, they can only find insurance for the outside of the building. And then you have to have a separate policy, almost like renter's insurance for the interior. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what I have. I, I think we're only required the interior at this point, but, but I, I've got to think, um, that this thing with, 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 uh, Ron DeSantis and the hurricane down in Florida is going to be horrible for him when it comes to the election. I know he's trying to make it look brighter and better for all of us in other parts of the country because he wants to be president. But these people are fucking living this thing. People are dying probably by the hundreds. I mean, we keep hearing reports of sheriffs saying, I saw hundreds of bodies. I saw this. I saw this. And to think that there are more than there aren't more than eighty four people dead are is ridiculous, and the fact that uh DeSantis is trying to hide that that's not going to play well for him with his own constituents in his own fucking state and then we've got Rick Scott and Matt Gates and some of these other people voting against relief for their own fucking state. Where does that come from well they they claim that there was pork. In the bill. So what? That, uh, it's an emergency. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, and that's the, that's all, that's the way it's always done. I mean, if you want to get something through that, uh, you can't normally get through in this case, of course, it was reauthorizing the debt ceiling, right? Uh, they tied that in. And of course, the Republicans were looking forward, I suppose, to shutting down the government, uh, right after a hurricane. That's probably what they had in mind, quite frankly. No. Um, because they don't really care about people. I mean, this is the thing. The Republican Party that is now in power in Washington, the good people have been primaried out. And these people are nothing but hucksters. They're, they're, uh, the worst kind of carnies that, uh, they're just out for a buck and they will slit your throat for it in a second. They do not care about people. Not one of them. You know, if I'm in, if I'm in Florida, if I'm a resident of Florida, I have no power. My house is gone. I have no money. I can't get food and water. And there's a bill that's going to give us some relief. And Matt Gates and Rick, uh, Rick Scott and all these other fuckers say, you know, that's just not the right bill. We're going to yeah, wait for Marco the right Rubio bill. Too. Marco Rubio, too. Marco Rubio, too. And a bunch of well, Republicans. This is the thing about Rubio. He didn't even bother to vote. He right. was just against it. He just didn't even show up to vote, which he rarely does, quite frankly. Yeah, he's probably the worst guy with attendance in all of Congress. He doesn't show up for anything. He's he's apparently got more important things to do than his job. But but they, they I can't imagine how this doesn't impact them in the elections. Because as much as he can try to paint it all nice to us, the people living it, the people dying, the people struggling and suffering, they've got to be fucking pissed off. And those people fucking vote. I mean, what's he going to do now? Well, we had the hurricane, so we'll have to put the vote off for six months. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to do that. Well, they, they, who knows? It won't be up and up. We know that. There will be problems. And I mean, the um, I was just reading today that uh, right after January 6th, that most of the Republicans, at least about half of them, were saying we have to repudiate this uh, attack on Congress or it's going to kill us. 
Even Kevin McCarthy said that. You saw them right afterwards where they were blaming Trump and saying this and that. And uh, there was this guy down in Louisiana. I forget his name right now, but he's the one who broke a leg off a desk and was ready to fight when the uh, yeah. uh, when he was expecting the, the bad guys to break in. He, he's a Republican, an ex-ranger or something like that, military guy. And, uh, and he had a pen he was going to use to stab him with and so forth. But he came up and said, look, what we need to do is say what we were voting against certification because all of these states changed their voting practices to accommodate COVID and it was unconstitutional. We have a leg to stand on there. And that's what he wanted to push. And and a goodly portion of the Republican legend in the House, at least, I don't know about the Senate, wanted to, uh, to, to go with that and make that their narrative. That's why we did it. It wasn't because we were trying, we thought the election was was uh, was illegitimate. We know that Joe Biden won. That's they were going to go with that. But uh, Trump, of course, and, and others uh, shot that down. And they had, uh, I think, when McCarthy went down to Florida, he was given his marching orders, and he came back and, and uh, convinced the others that they they had to go with the stolen election thing. Or I imagine Trump's probably got a lot of dirt on people. Uh, or Putin gave him a lot of dirt on people. There's something. There's something that happened there because they were ready to go with that, and they changed and went back to the election and stolen. Yeah, in normal situations, you will get Republicans and or Democrats to follow along with somebody who's corrupt or criminal for a period of time. But when things get exposed, they start falling away from those people and saying, yeah, that's too far. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And some of that has happened with Donald Trump and the Republicans, but so many people are still stuck like glue to this fucking thing. They're riding this thing out to the end. They're the lemmings going over the edge and they know they are. So there's got to be something more than just this ignorance or, or or this vile behavior to it there's got to be a reason they're sticking to it because it's it's basically uh exploding their their futures and their careers they're done yeah i i have to believe there's blackmail involved i mean rubio we know got a ton of money from the nra who got it from the russians um there there are so many of them who are compromised that way they're taint there's tainted money left and right and then we've got all of these uh these think tanks that are funded god knows who funds these things that come up with all of these outlandish things that they push uh there there's just i don't know what we do if we can get a blue wave maybe we can turn some of this stuff over but we just about have to have one or i don't know if we can survive um, like I say, the only the only thing that I can can think of, if the Republicans take back the House, they're going to waste a lot of time impeaching Joe Biden, which will go nowhere. Right. And uh, and, uh, you know, doing uh, and uh, bringing Fauci in to uh, uh, to question him like they did Hillary and, and things like that. They're going to they're just going to put on these show trials and, and that and accomplish nothing, which which is what they they prefer to do anyway but uh that this gives them a chance for their bread and circuses for their crazies right so uh uh and it it might backfire on them so that we could take the house back during the uh, you know at the next two-year cycle when we're voting for president and so forth we'll see but uh the best thing to do is get everybody to the polls 
Uh, I've checked. I've made sure I'm registered. I'm ready to vote. Uh, so is my wife. Make sure you are, because where you are in your state, you never know. Because I know Georgia is right now is uh, they they have always a lot of ways they can go through and uh, get people off uh, the the rolls to just make just show that you're not registered. You show up election day. Oh, sorry, <laughs> you didn't register. You can't vote. And make sure you know your Secretary of State's office. Most of them have a a lookup right there on the page where you can just go in and see if you're registered and ready to vote. Do that. Take the time and make sure, just in case. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. And, uh, you know, when we went into the 2020 election, that was an oh shit moment when we realized uh, an unprecedented amount of people got out and voted because they were afraid of Donald Trump. People have expectations for the midterms. And the polls will tell us, well, this guy's winning, that guy's winning, or this one's close. I think we're going to have an oh shit moment too, because we're going to have an unprecedented amount of people voting in a midterm election. I, I'm, I'm willing to bet we have more people voting in this midterm than we've had in any midterm in history, because that worry and that concern is out there still with the Democratic Party, much like there was in 2020. And we're going to see a ridiculous amount of Democrats uh, vote. And these polls may or may not be of any value at all because they aren't figuring that into the equation. Uh, yeah, and, and quite frankly, I think the polls are almost worthless in that they mostly survey people who have dial-up phones. So who do you know who has a dial-up phone? I yeah. don't. I don't know anybody who does anymore. And uh, Or, you know, they're, they're surveying likely voters who are doing this, they're doing that. Uh, some are better than others. But, uh, you know, every other day I see a poll that has this one up, and the next day there's one that has the other one up. So you never know. You know, some of them are very tight races, obviously, like in Ohio and so forth. But but I'm just I I would like to see us about seven new Democratic senators. And if we get two new congressmen, uh, a majority, uh, right. I'll be happy. No, I agree. Happy. Seven might be a little lofty for the Senate. That might be a little lofty. I could see three. Or four, maybe uh, three. Seven. I'm I'm counting on three. I'm sure at five. I think it could be as high as seven. Yeah. Well, that would be good. That would be good. I mean, the whole thing down in in Georgia with Herschel Walker and Warnock. Now, that's a fairly tight race, and I can't possibly understand how that is the case. In spite of the fact uh, Herschel Walker is technically a Republican, this is the stupid, most flawed human being in the history. Of fucking Georgia. Well, I can't say that. I don't know that for sure. But this guy is a fucked up individual. How does he win any fucking election? He's stupid. I don't know. Uh, the other day, somebody called him on holding a gun to his wife's head. And his answer was, uh, let he who is without sin cast first stone. In other <laughs> words, uh, who hasn't held a gun to their wife's head but once in a while? You know, I think Ted and, Bundy uh, said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's fuck. It's fucking amazing. Who hasn't killed a few people? Yeah, you know, shit happens. You know, he could be the next OJ for all we fucking know. Uh, anyway, we're we're running out of time here, uh, and I want to yeah. thank you for taking time and talking. I know you got other things to do, so I I appreciate the fact that you set them on hold while you sit and talk bullshit with me. 
I appreciate it. Uh, well, I went, I went and got a flu shot and I got done thoughter than a, quicker than I thought I would. So, uh, now I'm, I'm inoculated against the flu and COVID. But, uh, of course I warn you, wear that mask when you can, sanitize when you can, social distance when you can. I got a brother right now who's uh, suffering through COVID and he'll be, he's going to be okay. So is his wife. But all he did was ride in the car with a friend who caught it at church the Sunday before. So, wow. you know, you just never know. It's out there and the pandemic may be over, but COVID is still with us and it's going to be for a while. And you don't know who's been exposed. You know, the upside here too, Ed, is that, uh, um, you're fully inoculated. You're covered for flu. You're covered for COVID and you got that chip. So if you if you go wandering around, your wife can track can you down. Me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, what, what's 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 Ed doing down by the river? But uh, all right, <laughs> absolutely. I've I've got to get my second sec, second booster too. Yeah, floating. Um, I've got to get my second booster too. I'm, I'm yeah, anxious. It just to takes that. a moment. No compli- No complications. No, I've never had a problem with them. Anyway, well, Ed, you have a great day. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we will talk to you again probably later in the week. Uh, uh, actually, yeah. actually, on Wednesday I'm going to Las Vegas. And now I, I'll still oh. be able to. I still may be able to do it though because I've got stuff I bring with me now. Don't know why I'm going to Vegas. My brother asked me to. I said, fuck it, I'll go. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Vegas. Uh, I'm just not a huge gambler. And, but anyway, I may be doing that, but we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll hook it up and, uh, you have a great day. And I want you, to, I want you to take 20 bucks, put it on 13 black to win. Okay. And, uh, and if that comes up, I know you'll, I know you'll bring me the money. You won't keep it. <laughs> yeah. I put 20 on 13 black. I hit it, make about 50 G's, come back and say, you know, Ed, I tried. It, it didn't yeah. work. It didn't work. <laughs> I should be a Republican. Yeah. All right. Well, there you fo- go. folks, folks at home, I, I hope you have a great day and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.